most maxi pads have enough plastic for five, three to five plastic bags. That's ridiculous. And when you think That's about- ins- wait, yeah. wait, wait, what? Yeah. I'm your host, Ariana, and this is Hot Girls Have. Hello, and welcome back to Hot Girls Have. Have you ever wondered what your period is trying to tell you? Have you ever heard of free bleeding? Yep, that's a thing. Do you ever ask yourself, WTF is my tampon even made of? Today, I'm talking to Nadia Okamoto, AKA the period fairy. She's the CEO of August, a lifestyle brand working to reimagine periods to be powerful. We'll be talking all things periods from pads and tampons to stigmas and birth control. Nadia, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So excited to dive in. Okay, so first off, I'm obsessed with your TikTok. Thank you. (laughs) You're hilarious. Let's start with free bleeding. What is it? Like, let's just jump right into it. Yeah, I mean... Because I I never heard of it until I watched your TikTok. I feel like I use it in the context on social media of just like when you know you have your period and you just don't wear a period product, right? So I'm not free bleeding right now because I have a tampon in. Mm -hmm. But when you think about it, like especially for the first few days of my period and the last few days where I'm gaslighting my period into being done. (laughs) I just like wear an all black outfit and you just like let it, let it go. Let it flow. You let it flow. (laughs) And I feel like I, free bleeding is talked about in media when someone like, for example, Madame Gandhi, the singer runs the 2014 marathon in London and free bleeds, Mm -hmm. right? So menstrual blood is flowing through the workout clothes So I think that there's that version of free bleeding where it's like very intentional. And then I think that it's like we probably all free bleed at some point. It's just like the moments where you're like, oh, I just can't deal with a tampon or a pad right now. I just want to like bleed. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, so I feel like I started talking about it online and I didn't think it would be like as controversial as it turned out (laughs) to be. Um, But my favorite comments are all the ones that are like, oh, I do this all the time. I just like Mm. didn't ever have language for it. Mm -hmm. I completely agree with that. Why is it so controversial? Are people like. Because I've seen that people are sometimes like, oh, why would you free bleed? Like, that's not hygienic. How could you? I think that there's, in general, it highlights a larger paranoia about menstrual blood. Mm. You know, I think that we probably, like, you could consider it accidental free bleeding in the sense of you get your period unexpectedly, you bleed on your sheets, like something. But I think that, I mean, we've been so conditioned by centuries of patriarchy to think that menstrual blood is disgusting, right? And so... A lot of the questions are around, it's not hygienic, it's a biohazard, it smells bad. I think it all relates to this idea that like menstrual blood is unclean, filled with germs, not something you should ever own. And and so I think for me, like I run a period product brand. I obviously believe in like everybody having access to period care. And I think part of it too is also just like being unafraid of your blood. And like my my personal, everybody's different, but my personal experience is that like, Sometimes when I'm spotting, I just, like, can't deal. Right. And I just want to, like... So, wait, is free bleeding important? Like, should we be doing it? No, or no, is it just kind of, like, a thing it, that, like... I think it's, like... If you just I, don't want to deal, like, just free bleed. It's okay. I think it's just, like, to each their own. Mm-hmm. Like, when I talk about free bleeding, it's not because I'm telling everybody else to free bleed. It's right. really just, like, this is something that I do. I've been on my period for, like, you know, obviously on a monthly basis for, like, right. over the last decade. And, like, I might as well just talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So fair. Okay, so now I want to talk about... What are most tampons and pads made of and why is this not so great? Yeah, I mean, I would say, well, so tampons are an FDA approved like class two medical device, meaning like there's not a lot of differences of what it can look like. Right. Like there's a certain thing that's approved by the FDA. 
Um, that being said, I think historically there's been an issue about like the lack of transparency, not even about what it's made out of uh, as a main ingredient per se, but like more about what sort of chemicals are involved in the bleaching process in terms of like any other, uh, you know, any other ingredients, whether that be like rayon and ingredients that maybe have been linked to mm. um, just infections or things that we don't not want. Good stuff. not good stuff. <laughs> yeah. And so I would say that, you know, for August, like our tampon doesn't look like ridiculously different, but what we can promise is that we've taken out any ingredients that are not absolutely necessary. And it's hundred percent organic cotton. And, you know, obviously it's bleached because it's white, but we bleach it with ingredients that we can stand by. And so I would say that for us, it's really about like acknowledging that tampons are still very much like probably like the second most widely used period products right behind pads and obviously includes various ingredients but we're just going to be super super transparent right and right. primarily 100 percent organic cotton we'll talk to you about where that cotton is from where it's made traceability mm -hmm. and all of that well and at august the shape of your tampon mm -hmm. is also really different as well yeah i mean i think it's something we talk about a lot around just like because there's not as much of a conversation about periods in general, we aren't used to having brands that say like, oh, let's like really talk about like how the tampon opens and why we decided to make it that right. way. And we are very open about that, right? I think when a lot of us maybe think about you know, how tampons open, we think of like a cylinder. It looks like a cylinder. And most of them are. If you put it in a water and you see how it opens, it's like a cylinder. But like, we really kind of build off. But like, should it be like Well, that? I think that's part <laughs> of it, right? Which is like, when you look at anatomical models, right. it maybe looks like a hollow cylinder, but your vagina is not a hollow cylinder. Mm. It's more like an airtight sleeping bag, you know, oh. where it's like, it's kind of like more soft, uh -huh. it kind of melds, but like for the most part, it's not like hollow right. in there, you know? And so our tampons open axially, kind of like butterfly wings. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that is just to make sure that you're not putting unnecessary or unnatural pressure on the walls of your vagina. And so we're very open about like, you know, just how we put a lot of thought into every aspect of designing the product in the first place. I think when I was researching your company, something that I was honestly just confused about, like, I love that you have taken the time to like delve into the shape, the, the comfort, the all of that stuff. But I was just so taken aback, like, why are you the only company that's doing that? And why did every other tampon I mean not every other I'm sure there are others yeah. that are doing it right but like why are so many of them so far off like where what I mean I think <laughs> a lot of it just relates to the period stigma right mm. which is like how are you supposed to have systems of transparency or accountability if you can't even talk about the topic in the first place so right true. like are I think pads are a good example of this right most maxi pads have enough plastic for five three to five plastic bags that's ridiculous. And when you think That's about wait, wait, yeah. wait, what? Yeah. Three so, to five plastic bag like like per a, maxi pad. Like a like a yes. grocery bag. Yes. Like yes. And so when you think about it, it's like we've made so much wow. progress and we've had so many discussions about sustainability even around grocery bags. Right. right. There's full on legislation right. <laughs> banning plastic bags, but in the in this product that is so essential but like the fact that like we don't know what's no. in our maxi pads we maybe grew up with these but like think about when have you ever talked openly about periods and you and i probably have more than other people mm -hmm. have talked very openly about periods mm -hmm. and what's in our period products but like there's a stigma around talking about periods in the first place right so then it's well, like, and even like buying the product yes. like i remember being little and being like mom will you go buy this for me like i'm terrified to yeah. go check out with this why? I have no idea. Everybody gets period. And but it's a hush-hush topic. So, like, there's even 
a barrier to even talking about the topic, which means there's a barrier to talking about the product, a barrier to like having accountable conversations about the products, the brands. And, and so I think that's a lot of like, I've, I've been in the period space for almost 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, the last three have been as co-founder of August, but before that I started in the nonprofit. Yeah. I started in the nonprofit space. And so I've been in the period space professionally for almost a decade. And I think which hats off to you for being (laughs) obsessed with periods because we literally, yeah, we literally need more people like, but I think that like I've always I've always understood that like to talk about period poverty or period products you have to talk about periods in the first right. place totally. so there's this like added layer of work that needs to be done just to like have the conversation mm, 100% I can I totally understand that so okay wait I want to go back to more of your products what can you give me the tea on liners 101 like I honestly have never used a liner that's just me personally really? yeah really um I just I don't know why like I was one of the I was super active growing up I was a triathlete and so I jumped straight into tampons like I've never even really touched pads yeah so when I don't know my friends have liners like I see them at the store it's kind of like what is that what like <laughs> I don't really get it like why do you need that but obviously I'm just speaking about me yeah well, um, that's so interesting because I feel like I, I'm almost the opposite where like I've always oscillated between like tampons or pads, but I always have liners, right? Really? And so, and it's super interesting even when we look at like what people are buying from August now, like people who use tampons use tampons like there's not a lot of people out there who are like oh a mix of tampons and pads like for the most part it's like you're a pad person or you're a tampon person however the thing that uh is kind of an underlying common thread is the use of liners right and so and and obviously that's huge generalization but I think for the most part and so I mean liners are essentially just like really thin small pads Mm. right and so it's not for your heavy day alone it's for like if you're spotting. So like I use a lot of liners on like day seven through nine of my period because I have a very long period. So it's like, oh, I just need some added things. I like don't want to stain my underwear. Or I use it a lot, like I'm wearing one right now because I have a super tampon on and then I have a liner just in case, you know, it goes over. Mm -hmm. Some people also use liners like on the daily basis for vaginal discharge, right? Like for people who don't want, you know, discharge to be crusting up their underwear or anything, which again is very natural. Some people choose to wear a liner. And so like I'm actually meeting more and more both online and in person talking to people, especially who are going through like perimenopause where they're either spotting a lot more or they just have like heavier discharge than they're used to Mm -hmm. so liners are really just like added leak protection I would say August is very known for our liners because because we've taken that like hard plastic out of the pads it's very soft Mm -hmm. but they're also very leak proof and so we have a bunch of viral videos showing like with real period blood too hey like if it's covered in period blood it still doesn't stay in your underwear and I think that being able to show that has been like really helpful for a lot of people out there can you wear a liner with a thong and how do you do that so there are thong liners out there we don't currently make one I make a lot of videos of this but I like only wear thongs and uh, which is why I think I've never worn a liner because I'm like it doesn't fit you just feel like a little bit of an origami situation where you like have the liner on top of (laughs) you you know kind of like flip it you just fold the two sides over and it becomes you know it's very secure Mm -hmm. and I mean she's not going anywhere anywhere and you know the thing about thongs is like it's really up there right you know so like you're really just using it to the right. place. But Miss, um, can I just say how amazingly transparent this conversation has already been so far? Like, I don't think I've ever talked so openly with somebody about this, but I feel like I should. Like, yeah. it's a normal thing. Like, everybody's dealing with this. Like, okay, yeah. Just yeah, to say absolutely. that. Just to put that absolutely. out there. Let's talk about menstrual cups. Okay. Because I've 
truly never used one so curious like why use them so we august doesn't make one where we've been really working on one for Mm -hmm. the last you know year with our community because we want to come up with one that's like the most beginner friendly Mm -hmm. because i think that for many people maybe yourself included it's very intimidating totally a menstrual cup (gasps) is like maybe half the size of your fist i would say and it's like a made out of 100 percent like usually medical grade silicone Mm -hmm. It basically, you like insert it and then it suction, not kind of suctions, it sits right below your cervix and patches all your period blood. Reasons to use it, it is the most sustainable option out there. It's not single mm-hmm. use. It's something that you can rinse, reuse again, and you can use it often for like years. Yeah. Um, and Well, I'm a big like camper. Like I yeah. love camping, backpacking, all that stuff. And so everybody has always told me like, oh my gosh, you yeah, need to you get a menstrual use- cup if you're yeah. going to be like in the outdoors. Like yeah. it's the most sustainable option. Honestly, I've just never done it because I don't know anybody who who uses one. And for some reason, I just kind of didn't want to go through that process of how do I do that? Well, I'll definitely hit you up like if we can figure this out, because I think like we hear this all the time. Right. There's a lot of interest in menstrual cups, but they're really scary. Totally. You know, they look scary. I think it's something that we talk about a lot is just like but menstrual cup. There's a lot of things to consider a lot of pros and then also understanding it's very intimidating and so I mean when we had started this company I thought we were going to do like menstrual cups at the beginning and really what made you like pivot well I originally we were like sustainability at the you know priority it's the most sustainable thing out there for menstrual care but when you actually talk to young menstruators like 90 plus percent of them have never either heard of a menstrual cup or are scared to use one so I think for us it was like we as a new brand need to it come out didn't make sense yeah it doesn't make yeah. any sense and it's like we can't come out as a new brand introduce a product that there is kind of terrifying we need to like meet people where they're at really introduce them to products like they know and love and then be able to kind of introduce something after we've built that brand trust. like earn their loyalty exactly totally yeah. agree and then you can like ease them into that yeah yeah I I would hop on that yeah. wagon for yeah. sure um, okay, let's talk about periods and sex. Done. Are you pro, anti, like, should we? Yeah. I think it's to each their own. Okay. There's a lot of, again, paranoia. There's a lot of myths. There's a lot of myths about, like, be- not being allowed to. Um, you can have sex on your period. Again, it's to each their own. There are studies out there that show it can help alleviate cramps. Obviously. Oh, yeah. So ditch the Advil and just grab <laughs> your friend. <laughs> grab your friend. <laughs> Obviously, I think another thing is that, like, uh, there's a lot of, again, going back to the stigma around period blood being dirty. Right. Something that I think not a lot of partners may be so supportive of that needs to change. But I think it's really, like, to each each their own. Like, I am so Mm pro-period. I'm so pro, like, having a partner that is, like, comfortable with it. And if I ever said, let's have sex in my period, they would never say, ew, that's gross. They'd be like, okay, let's do it. That being said... For me personally, when I'm on my period, I do not want to have sex. Yeah. I am just also like not fair. feeling that. Mm-hmm. And but I have friends who like love it. And and a lot of that is natural because your hormones are changing so much, especially right. around your cycle. So you might, you know, and your sex drive is based on hormonal changes. And so for some people, they might crave that more. For me, I don't crave that at all. Yeah, but fair. again, everybody is different. I think that so much of opening the conversation is just making it known that it's not a danger mm-hmm. and it's not gross. You're not gonna like you know, it's not something non-menstruators need to be terrified of, right? right? And I think that there, we probably all have stories of like, you know, having sex on your period, there's a little bit of blood and you're so scared that your sexual partner might be like, ew, that's disgusting. Like that's anxiety we all share. And that's like so unfortunate. Mm -hmm. How do you think we can alleviate some of that? 
I think it's like first and foremost, just making like periods an open conversation, yeah. right? Like we wouldn't have that anxiety if we knew that whoever we're hooking up with isn't terrified of period blood, right? right? If we knew that other people didn't think of it as a disgusting, gross thing that was like an inherent turnoff, right? And so I think part of it is just opening up the conversation. I think part of it too is like, you know, the best thing you want is like to have a partner who's super understanding, you know, and knows that this is not something that you should be ashamed of or anything like that. I also think it's like empowering menstruators to know that like, if they're craving more, you know, sexual engagement on their cycle, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with them. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's what always breaks my heart when like I hear someone who like asks very genuinely, I am horny around my period. Is there something wrong with me? And like that oh. shame is a lot to carry. And I think that it's important to be super open about, you know, the fact that those cravings are very natural, especially around your period. Is there such thing as losing too much blood? Because I know that like 80 milliliters is considered very heavy, but there are some people yeah. that lose a lot more than that. So what is kind of considered too much or it's something that you should really be wary of i'm not a doctor okay yeah, i'm yeah. just someone who loves to talk about periods <laughs> but i would say like what we've heard from our like medical advisors mm -hmm. is that if you're having to change your tampon or pad like every hour you should just talk to your doctor okay and a, a lot of what we try to do online is just to make content that's very educational about what are the types of things you should talk to your doctor about and self-advocate for right there are things to know like if you have really heavy bleeding talk to your doctor and, you know, there's an unfortunate big history of being gaslit by your doctors, right. especially as a woman or as a menstruator or a person of color. And so a lot of what we try to do is, like, educate yourself on he knowing, hey, I have this symptom of heavy bleeding. Can you please look at things like endometriosis, uterine fibroids? And I think that it's important to understand how intersectional even discussions around those conditions are, right? Black women are three times as likely to have uterine fibroids. It's severely undiagnosed. Wow. Black women are like historically so gaslit by doctors and continue to do to have that. And so I think a lot of what we try to do even from a content side is like, okay, as a period care brand, one of the things that doctors will say is measure your heavy bleeding because you're not sitting there with a measuring cup right. catching your blood. Right. But you know, if you're having to change filled tampons every hour talk to your doctor about heavy bleeding if they say oh that's normal if you're like no this is heavy i'm feeling lightheaded i'm fainting i'm having to change very often like push them on conditions that you've done research about and know about i love that and i feel like that's so empowering it's i mean it's so necessary yeah. and i mean i feel like i am still learning so much too even mm -hmm. around like I mean, I've had my summers where I had like a yeast infection for so long and I just like had no idea what it was. And doctors were like, oh, irritation is normal or like right. having pain there is normal. Mm -hmm. And then you just like go to another doctor and, you know, mm -hmm. you're you learn about these things to ask questions about. And then you finally get the antibiotics you need. And I think that's why there's I mean, it's all related to stigma, lack of education, lack of conversation, people suffering in silence. Right. So no, there, there's so a lot much going there, on so here. Much there, yeah. So I usually feel disgusting on my period. What are three things that I can do to feel better, both mentally and physically? I would say, like, find your community is one. I think one of the reasons I love, honestly, period TikTok <laughs> is that, like, I It's can, a good side of TikTok. It's a good side of TikTok, but I get to make content that's like, oh, I feel like shit today and I don't want to get out of bed. And everybody will, like, not everybody, but, like, many people will comment, I'm on day seven and I feel the same. I'm right there with you, right? And I think that there's so much shame. Like you are not alone. You're not alone. And I think that that's really important. And I think that like, I'm very lucky to have grown up with sisters and a mom where like, we, I could know that I wasn't alone. And 
I would say that the most common sentiment that I hear from young menstruators is this fear of being like something being wrong with you and something not feeling like you can go to anybody with a question. And so I think like find your community is a huge part. I would say listen to your body, right? Every, like what you're craving on your period is going to be different. What works for you on your period is going to be different than someone else. You might have cramps. You might not have cramps. And so I think everybody has a different experience. And it's good just to like know what to expect, ask questions and like pay attention to it. Um, and then obviously try August. <laughs> obviously try <laughs> August. My third one. I'm a huge fan. I will say tried. Yes. Okay. I love how you are changing the conversation about periods. And I think you guys are just doing a fantastic job of changing the conversation and making it a conversation. What is your most common negative comment that you get? And what is your response? I think people just say like, that's disgusting, you know? Oh. And I think that's probably that's not even creative or like you're weird like I get a lot of just like you're weird that's disgusting why would you show that no um I, I on TikTok I get a lot of comments of like this is a kid's app oh you know the implication that talking about menstruation is inappropriate for kids I was gonna say did we all forget how old we were old when we, were, we got yes. a period but the thing is is like it is a big issue like one of the things we talked about a lot and we actually my team flew to Florida for this is House Bill 1061 in um uh, in Florida went into effect on July 1st. So right now it is against the like rules to talk about periods before grade nine in Florida public schools. You're kidding me. So it's like, there's actually grade nine, nine. I and did so not, I got my period way like, before, way that. before that. But I think like it's, there's examples of like, I, the stigma that we see in negative comments on my, in my comment section has like real world implications. My jaw is literally dropped. Right. No. And like, that that's crazy. Insane. And and so, like, I think a lot of the negative comments I get are, like, this is inappropriate. I mean, I get videos taken down all the time for, like, violent and graphic content, minor safety. And it, a lot of it is related to, like, periods just being an inappropriate subject. As a period care brand, oh. we there are so many ad restrictions. Like, we cannot market to minors. Same thing with, like, sex toy companies, pharmaceutical brands. Like, period products, such an essential, are put right in the same category and associated with this, like, inappropriate discussion and behavior Anyways, but I would say the probably the most <laughs> There's a lot there's about a that. Lot there. There's a lot to unpack. But I would say like the most common the most common thing is just like this is this is this like is gross. Gross. This is gross. And my response is I don't always respond, but I would say when I do respond, like my favorite comments are the ones that are like you don't need to post this. This is disgusting. And I comment being like, thank you so much for proving my point that the stigma exists. That's another yes. comment I get. There is no period stigma. Shut the fuck up. This is gross. And I'm like, you're literally proving my point in one breath of like saying that I'm overreacting. Oh, and then also shaming me in the same sentence. Like the fuck. And so there's a lot there. There's a lot there. Now I want to talk about periods at large. So they're awkward. Clearly, they make people feel very uncomfortable, but they're not going anywhere anytime soon. So how do we end this stigma around periods other than just trying to talk about it more with our friends? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I think that, well, yeah, periods aren't going anywhere if we continue reproducing like men. Like Surprise. Humans <laughs> get periods and menstruation makes human life possible like right. it's an essential part of it's the important, guys. system it's like literally how human life is created so you know it's going to be here as long as the human race is here mm -hmm. but I would say that I mean to illuminate period sigma it starts at individual conversations but it's also much bigger than that it's like legislation in the public sector it's entertainment media it's 
also like one of the things I'm really pushing for even as like a TikTok creator is I'm like why isn't this category live on TikTok shop yet just like things like that right so like examples of places where we can talk about periods where it's not currently allowed right Mm. um why don't we have sex ed in schools that's comprehensive why is why is legislation like house bill 1016 at one in florida why is that even like allowed right and so i think that a lot of what we're trying to do is say like have individual conversations because everything you know individual conversations are a micro example of like a larger stigma and you know if we all talk about it it's bigger but they're also at large uh, at the large scale how does periods how do periods show up in entertainment and media right something i'm really excited about and like eager to see is like the olympics are coming up right you as an athlete understand like we get a lot of questions that i find very heartbreaking of like can i still be active on my period oh my god and to me, I'm like, the Olympics are coming up where we're going to see so many incredible women in sports who may or may not be on their period. And like, where does period care come up in that conversation? And so I think that there oh are a gosh. lot of, please be right? the official partner of. Oh, girl, that I'm would be trying. Insane. I'm trying. So I think there are a lot of examples. Simone of, Biles, please. Like, <laughs> please, oh, I'm, please. I'm trying. I'm trying. But um, I think there are a lot of examples just where it's like, how can we find ways to talk about periods in the context of sports, in the context of doing really cool things and continuing on with your life. And I think just having that conversation wherever, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, lots lots to do. So much to do. <laughs> so much to do. So much yeah. to do. So what is something that listeners can go out and do like today to help? I would say like talk about periods. I mean, it's something same thing with like Belly Willy. Belly Willy has the goal of like, let's destigmatize IBS and talking about pee and poo. It's like destigmatize periods. Like, you know, it's just an ongoing conversation. I think also recognizing that it's not just about your period. It's about like, what are all the effects of period stigma? It's so intertwined with any issues around, you know, intersectionality, around period poverty, around the tampon tax, and like just having these conversations. I'm really curious about your take on this. So I have a lot of friends that I mean, I don't think anybody is as big of a fan of periods as you, but <laughs> but I have a lot of friends who outright hate their periods yeah. so much so to where they have tried to completely get rid of it mm-hmm. through um, birth control. IUD, through other forms of birth control, et cetera. Why are periods important to have? Other than like yeah. some of the obvious reasons. Super great question. I would actually say I think it's the biggest misconception about me is that I love my period. So I wouldn't like, say you love your period. I would say that you're just very open, open, yes. open about your no, period. No, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's what it is, which is like I do not love getting my period for any other reason besides the fact that it's great content. Right. You know? like, <laughs> but like I think why I care so much about the ex- need Wait, for- so you you batch film all of your content on your gay period? Well, I, I feel like I... I, Not actually, I can but. only use real period blood when it's coming out of me. Right. Like other times I'm like using fake period blood or whatever. But like I feel like a lot of why I care about the need for accessible period care is because I think I'm like, this is a hassle. Yeah. This is so hard. It's so frustrating. I don't feel well. Right. Like the least we can do is make sure people have access to period products. And like I feel like it's like a really easy thing to empathize with, right? Like when you think about what would it be like to get my period and not have period products, to not have clean underwear, to not have access to a bathroom, to not have access to a shower. Like period poverty, I think, is such a, I would say, is an easy to empathize with issue um, of an experience. But I would say like, yeah, for some people, especially when period pain is really bad, when there are other things at play like endometriosis, PMDD, 
you know, having your period every month can be really difficult. And there are ways out there that are becoming more and more accessible, like hormonal birth control that can, you know, I mean, when you're on hormonal birth control, even if you bleed on a monthly basis, it's not a real period. Right. It's a breakthrough bleed. You know, there's not actually like an egg that's not being, being used. That's, you know, being, uh, you know, exiting the body. So, I mean, I would say I totally understand that. Obviously, hormonal birth control, the pros and cons of that, the risks of it is a whole separate conversation. Right. <laughs> but I would say for many people, and like I was on birth control for years and years um, before I started the company, and I actually got off birth control because uh, I was like, if I'm going to have a, a period product company, I need like real period blood in my own way. That's <laughs> so funny. Because I was like, who am I to like talk about how my period products work yeah i don't have a real period period so for me thank i thank you for your service <laughs> i'm not on any birth control i was i did years on the pill mm -hmm. years on an iud it definitely helped with my skin mm -hmm. and then i made my skin work you know it's like a yeah. whole other thing yeah right like let's just back up a second i know that you're so passionate about this i know that you're so open about this but it does take a lot of guts it takes a lot of confidence to wake up every day and be like i feel like shit i'm gonna talk about this two millions of people okay yeah. like when you were first starting this walk me through your mindset of how you decided like okay I'm doing this let's go I mean I think that again I started my nonprofit period uh when I was 16 in 2014 and so I would say at that point TikTok didn't even exist right, right? like I this was a Facebook era hey like this was middle schoolers on Facebook oh my this God. wasn't like Instagram Snapchat you know this was like, like I'm 25. And so I think for a while, like I've always been on social media because that was the free tool to mobilize. I wrote a book in 2018 mm -hmm. that came out and I feel like I've experimented. It's period power. Go read it. Period power. It's great. I've experimented with all of these different mediums of starting conversations about periods. TikTok, I think is just a fun one that honestly takes the least amount of effort. Mm -hmm. Making a five second TikTok with a trend that's already templatized is so much easier than writing a book mm -hmm. you know like that's, <laughs> that's what I always tell myself and so I think a lot of it is like I think it comes from obviously years of practice I would also say like I've heard every negative comment there could ever be about talking about periods and I've also made a lot of mistakes along the way and I think that I've you know I've gone through a lot of online hate I've gone through a lot of online love and so like there is I really don't think anything anybody could say to me that like I haven't already heard mm -hmm. that's like the worst of the worst. Like, I mean, I've, I think I got my first death threat when I was maybe like 17. Oh my We're talking God. about periods. I still get, you know, death and rape threats now. And a lot of it goes back to what? Like, people We're associate. About a period? Oh my God, but people associate like talking about your periods with vaginas equals sex, right? Like, there's. Which also. Ridiculous. It is ridiculous. But there's a lot of. There's just a lot out there and there's a lot of misconceptions. So I think that I, I think, but I think I'm very, it sucks to say, but I'm very used to the dark side of social media. And it's like desensitized. It's desensitized. And I think it's also like, well, fuck it. Like I might as well just like use mm -hmm. this tool for something that I really believe in, which is destigmatizing periods. Mm -hmm. Now I want to talk about the future. Okay. Ideal world. Like we're talking clearly, clearly years yeah. from now. What is the future of period care? Um, you know, I, I think I, I let's talk about like specific changes, okay. which is one period accessibility. Right. I think I kind of linking it back actually to like poop peeping, pee, peeping, peeping and pooping <laughs> is like 
You walk into every public restroom and you assume that there will be free toilet paper. Not in a dispenser. Not demanding a coin or anything like that. Free toilet paper. And if there wasn't, you'd be kind of confused. You'd be confused. Mm -hmm. I think there should be free period products everywhere. And I think there are examples like Scotland is an extreme where period products are free for literally anyone and everywhere. You know? They're just free? Yeah, they're just free. And then... And it's like an oh every school. And, and we're starting to see that legislation happening. Food stamps still don't cover period products as a free thing. In the U.S., there are still 20 states that have a tax on period products, considering them non-essential goods. So like a sales tax that's levied on period products, making them not exempt as a medical necessity. Meanwhile, products like Rogaine and Viagra are considered medical necessities. We've made a lot of progress on that, right? When I had started... It was in 40 states. So like in the last 10 years, we've taken it down in about 20 states, but we still have 20 states to go. So I think there's like this era of like period accessibility. Then I think there's period inclusivity. So we don't use terms like feminine hygiene, uh, you know, women and girls. We say menstrual care because not everybody who gets a period will identify as a woman or a girl. Right. It's like they might be non-binary. They might not. They might be a trans man. And so we're very inclusive about like for anybody who's born with a uterus, chances are you'll most likely get a period for probably the majority of your life on a monthly basis and so I would say there's a lot of work to be done just around like the language we use and then lastly like period education around just like empowering people to know that they have a period what it is like I made a video today before I came here about like literally trying to encourage people to know that you have three holes down there and oh like, my gosh, the amount of conversations I've had with people about this. Who don't know. They don't know. Even like <laughs> grown ass menstruators who have nope. kids, like no shame to them. Like to me, I don't say this out of like shaming someone. I say it out of like surprise of mm-hmm. like how sad it is that like someone who's like fully made a human mm-hmm. did not know that like pee and period like came out of two separate holes. To me, that's no reflection on them. It's a reflection on like the failure of our educational right. system. Right. But I get so many questions like that about every single day about wait, I have three holes down there? Had no idea. No wonder, like, I'm putting my tampon in the wrong hole. Oh, like, my God. So many, so many, so many. And then give us a sneak peek about what could be next for August. I would say something I'm really excited about is just continuing to show up on shelves. You know, we started three years ago when I was a junior in college, and we're now, we moved on, we're available online, but we're also now in about 400 Target stores. They're like, yeah, super exciting. But like, I hope that we can continue being more on shelves and we're still kind of an itty baby, baby company in the, you know, in the industry, but the more we grow, the more shelves we can be on. And so I'm just so thankful to everyone who's like tried the product and like continues to subscribe and tell their friends because you know, the more we grow, the more shelves we can be on, the more people that we can kind of access. So I'm I'm really excited about that. I'm also really excited about product development and like continuing, you know, looking at how do we make the best first period cup out there. I think, you know, we are only launching products as we feel really, really confident about the thought that goes into it, the transparency. And so I'm really, really proud of that thoughtfulness and I'm excited for further product development. I am so excited to watch you guys in the future. We love ending every episode with one key takeaway that listeners can drop in their group chats today. What is yours? I think the tampon tax is a really interesting one because like millions and millions and millions of dollars are made in tax revenue every year from taxing menstruators on their period products. And most people who pay the tampon tax do not know that they pay it, right? And so I think there are- Yeah, I had no idea. I mean, you live in Texas, right? So Mm -hmm. Texas actually is taking down the tampon tax, but it doesn't go into effect until next year. So like you're still paying taxes on your period product. I had no idea. Exactly. So I think like that's something you can talk about in the group chat is Mm -hmm. like, hey, this, you know, did you know, have you noticed that we Mm -hmm. pay the tampon tax if you're in one of those states? I think another thing is like, 
hey, like, what did you know that the maxi pads that we might be using have enough plastic for three to five plastic bags, right? I think right. there are still so many things, like, perfect for a group chat where it's, like, you know, that are kind of, like, crazy. Mind-blowing, Yeah, mind-blowing moments that I think are great conversation starters. Mm -hmm. Well, Nadia, thank you so much for being here. This was so awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of Hot Girls Have. You can find anything we mentioned in our show notes. Want more? Visit our website or check out our social media. This podcast is brought to you by Belly Welly, leading the charge in women's gut health.